Hey folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for joining us on Fat Burning Man, where we talk about real food and real results. One of the most common questions I get from listeners and readers is, what do we do about alcohol? The answer is a tricky one. If you want to know the truth about what's hiding in our wine, beer, liquor, and other boozes, this show is definitely for you. My friend and wine guy, Mr. Todd White, is here to show us how to make hangovers a thing of the past. At its best... Wine is totally a part of the wild, fat-burning lifestyle. According to archaeologists, the process of fermenting fruits for consumption dates back to the Paleolithic period. About 9,000 years ago, the Chinese created primitive wines from honey and rice, and archaeologists discovered the earliest known remains of grape wineries dating back 7,500 years. As any Game of Thrones or Peter Dinklage fan can attest, we've loved our wine for a very long time. So why does modern wine cause such nasty side effects like sleeplessness, brain fog, and brutal hangovers? Well, as with food, the large-scale commercialization of wine has transformed the healthful, ancient drink of our ancestors to a mass-marketed processed beverage packed with additives that can harm our health. So, does red wine make me slow and lazy? What if I could drink wine without getting a hangover? Ever since my first terrible hangover about 15 years ago, I've been fascinated with this question. But can you get a micro hangover from just a glass or two of wine? When training for a 10K race, I decided to try a little experiment. I wanted to see if drinking one to two glasses of wine the night before would have any effect on my running performance. The results were much worse than I expected. So I tracked and measured my running speed as well as my perceived level of effort. I'll write that down after the run. Most nights, I abstained from drinking. So when I wasn't drinking, my perceived level of effort on my run the next day tended to be normal and relatively predictable at a 40-minute 10K pace around there. But after drinking just one to two glasses of dry red wine the night before, something happened, and it happened consistently. Without fail, I'd run at a mile pace that was 10 to 20 seconds slower than normal. And if you compete in races or you ever have, you know that 10 to 20 seconds a mile is an eternity. And worse, I struggled through the post-booze workouts. Even though I didn't technically feel hungover, I did feel gassed out on my runs and constantly surprised by how terrible wine made me feel the next day. Headache, poor sleep, bouts of nausea. This doesn't seem like a health tonic to me. Now, every once in a while, I'd find a tasty, biodynamic, or organic, hippy-dippy wine that didn't seem to cause these negative health effects, but not often enough, and they were really hard to find, so I just about gave up drinking wine. But six months ago, I met a fellow biohacker named Todd, who literally lab tests every wine that he drinks. He sent me a half dozen biohacked natural wines to try while I was filming, actually, for the ABC show, My Diet is Better Than Yours. I was really skeptical at first, but as soon as I tried them, I realized that they were different. It's much lighter, more like a kombucha. When you drink them, you don't feel that kind of, uh, that that burn that goes down the esophagus or into the stomach in some cases, and that sluggishness or, or sleepiness that happens after either. So I was really surprised by that, wanted to look more into that. And uh, I also had a few of my friends come over during South by Southwest to try these wines, including Tucker Max, who's just about the biggest wine geek I know, and he was raving about these wines. Uh, also, the exacting health nut, Mr. Mark Sisson, who's our guest on Fat Burning Man next week, by the way, said he gave up wine until he tried these. Right now, natural wines make up roughly 1% of the market in the U.S., but that's expanding quickly. Right now, you ask any wine enthusiast, they'll tell you this is the biggest 
thing that's happening in wines right now. So it's pretty exciting. Uh, it's it's definitely getting better. But aside from rare and special occasions, once I found these wines, these are just about the only wines that Allison and I drink. So it's pretty cool. Our guest this week, Todd, just started up a wine club for health nuts like us. It's called Dry Farm Wines. Uh, and it's open to new members. And if you'd like a special gift for readers and listeners, uh, you can get your first bottle of these wines to try yourself for just one penny uh, in the U.S. So all you have to do is go to fatburningman.com slash wine. It's basically your buying guide to good wines. And I hope you enjoy it because it's really it's changed our relationship with alcohol <laughs> and uh, for the better, I, I would like to say, because I, I think that enjoying a bit of wine, especially with dinner, is just one of the, the highlights of my life. And uh, I was sad to give it up for so long, but most of those commercial wines, we'll see why, are not good for our health. So these ones are quite different. I hope you check them out, fatburningman.com slash wine. Okay, so this next part is pretty fun. If you want some sweet, laid-back jams to go with all of your newfound wine drinking, then I've got some special music for you. If you're a new listener, you might not realize that I've been a musician and songwriter for much longer than I've been host of Fat Burning Men, and I just received a bit of incredible news. My album of original music, Swamp Thing, recorded with Denny and the guys from the Tim McGraw band, you guys might remember, we just won a songwriting award. Thank God for the Blues was selected for Outstanding Achievement in Songwriting, and I thank all of you out there who have been supporting our art. If you haven't heard it yet, please check it out. One of our listeners, Rebecca, wrote in and said, you have a very fat sound, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> Thanks for that, Rebecca. If you'd like to hear me sing Jam on Sax and see the music videos recorded live in studio in Nashville, all you have to do is visit SwampThingMusic.com. You can find our award-winning album, Swamp Thing, by searching for Abel James anywhere music is sold or streamed online. So enjoy that. You might even be hearing a little bit playing in the background at some point during this show. Now, on to the show with Todd. You're about to learn how you can drink wine without getting fatigued, flabby, or hungover. After all, as Thomas Jefferson said, good wine is a necessity of life for me. All right, let's go hang out with Todd. All right, folks, Todd White is a writer, speaker, and a leading authority on healthy wines and the importance of microdosing alcohol for health, longevity, and vitality. He's also the founder of Dry Farm Wines, bringing the first health-quantified, biohacked, organic, natural wines to the world. So here he is, the healthiest wino on earth, Mr. Todd White. Todd, how you doing, man? Hey, Bull. Thanks for having me on today. Most of my friends and uh, know me as the wine guy. <laughs> the wine so, You're totally the wine guy. And you've got you know, the guns to prove it, right? From carrying those boxes around. You're Look at this guy. <laughs> I know a lot of you are just listening, but my lord... Uh, one of the things we're going to be talking about today, Todd, as we mentioned before, this this interview is anti-aging because I had no idea that you were almost the same age as Mark Sisson because you look 10, 15, 20 years younger than that. Piece of cake. Well, I don't know if I look 10, 15 years younger than him. He's well, just such yeah. a badass. <laughs> uh, it's not even fair, but you know what I mean. It's not even fair because he's been training his whole life. True. Right? And, and he's uh, been smart his whole life. <laughs> he, the guy is so smart. Anyway, I know he was a recent guest on your show, but I want to talk about, you know, we were, I was just down in Austin for South by Southwest and yeah. over at your place for a few glasses of wine with 20 of your pals. And we just had a terrific conversation about drinking and, and fun and, and just how you can really have a healthy experience with drinking in moderation and the real power of it. Right, which uh, is something that I, I waffle back and forth, especially in the context of the show. Because in a, in a prior life, when I was a touring 
and, and professional musician, I was literally paid in alcohol a lot of the time. It was a currency. And certainly as a uh, fraternity brother at Dartmouth College, you learn how to drink there. And it's best to leave those, those strategies of drinking behind when health is your primary concern for a lot of the listeners on the show. So th- the issue of wine is an interesting one because you have health experts, and I'm using air quotes right here, on both sides of the issue. You have some people saying resveratrol is, you know... <laughs> what you want to get from wine to optimize your health. We can talk about why that's ludicrous later. You have other people saying that you need to abstain from alcohol at all costs because it's the worst thing ever for you. It's going to ruin your life. But let's start by talking about wines in particular. So commercial wine, most people don't realize this, and I I didn't realize it to the extent that it's true before I really talked to you, that commercial wine is really a processed food. And, uh, you know, issues like glyphosate, fungicides, mycotoxins, all those and worse are lurking in most bottles. So drinking, you know, for me, I've noticed this noticed this for a while, but drinking red wine, especially the next day, makes you feel like you were just run over by a truck. So can you explain the state of wine drinking right now, especially as it relates to uh, American wine and what most people are drinking? And then we can talk about what you're bringing to the world. Sure. So let's just to touch on the resveratrol issue for a moment. <laughs> yeah, let's just start. That, let's that stomp you, that, that out. Mentioned. I'll just start there. Yeah. As as you accurately pointed out, there are there are advocates for moderate wine consumption. There are anti-alcohol forces. There mm-hmm. are studies on both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. So, like with much of what we consume in nutrition, we don't really know what to believe. Right. Right. With resveratrol, let's be honest, I'm, I'm in the wine business. I promote drinking wine, mm-hmm. but let's be perfectly honest about resveratrol. In order to sh- get the anti-aging benefits that have been shown in lab animals, mm-hmm. you'd have to swim in wine all right. the time. An exorbitant you amount. Enough, you cannot consume enough to, to possibly enjoy the benefits that have been shown in mice. Right. Right. I mean, it's just this gross amount. So resveratrol is a bit of a red herring. Are there, there are other polyphenols and other components of wine that we believe are healthy. There are plenty of studies showing, plenty mm-hmm. of studies showing sure. that moderate wine consumption is healthy right. and is heart healthy and helps even prevent against the normal woes of aging mm-hmm. and cognitive decline, right? But that's moderate. Where we typically go wrong is that we're not moderate. Right. So those of us who like to drink, you, me, many of your audience, mm-hmm. so we're not exercising moderation. And I'm going to talk, we're going to talk a lot about moderation, but let's talk about the commercial wines. You ask, you know, what's going on in American wines and what's going on in commercial wines. Most commercial wines are highly processed factory products. Mm-hmm. Let's be perfectly clear. Let me just give you one statistic. 51% of all wines made in the U.S. are made by just three giant companies. Yeah. Right? Even though they're so, marketed as coming oh, from these cutesy, <laughs> tiny little family-run places, right? It's crazy, right? <laughs> so here's what they do. These are smart guys. These are marketing guys, yep. right? Multi, 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 hundred million dollar company. These are really smart people. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they package all this wine up in thousands of labels and brands to have you believe that you're drinking from some family farm or chateau. Right. Right? That's not the case. These are, these are highly manufactured products that, um, that are filled with additives, mm-hmm. and, and they're farmed in, in poisonous soils. I'm not saying all, 
most. Yeah. Right. And so very little is organic. Mm -hmm. All of the wines that we drink and represent are, are organic or biodynamic. I want to reel back, and we can talk more about additives in wine as we get along here a little bit and sure. deconstructing what I call biohacking wine. But I want to go back to your earlier statement about alcohol. Let's be perfectly clear. Alcohol is toxic. Mm -hmm. Alcohol is a toxin that we need to be very careful with, True. right? Water and oxygen are also toxic mm -hmm. in the wrong dose. Mm -hmm. So dosage really matters with alcohol. It's really important. And you and I, when I was down the other week with your pals and, and Allison and drinking for what went on for three or four or five hours. <laughs> it was right? a grand old time. Right. But because we were moderate and most importantly drinking a lower alcohol product right. and a clean product, mm -hmm. also sugar free, because there's a whole bunch of stuff in, in wine that's making you feel bad. Right. It's not the sulfites as most people believe. Mm -hmm. Right. Number one is alcohol. So yeah. just alcohol is going to make you feel bad if you drink too much of it, yep. right? Then you're going to get dehydrated from it right. and all the ill effects that come along with that. But then all of these additives and things that are put in most commercial wines, because you can't make wine in much volume without using these chemical additives to mitigate the risk of spoilage. Yeah. Right? So winemaking is, is, is very tedious. And the more you make, the more tedious it gets. Mm -hmm. You've got these big tanks, and it's a living organism, right? right. It's, it's like there's bacterial in there, and you've got to control the outcome of how these things interact with one another. Well, Chemical. and you want to standardize it, right? You want, you want to make every hamburger taste the same or every glass of Absolutely. wine taste the same, right? So well, there's, they're, they're going for the palate over health every time pretty much, right? Right. So what we call sterilizing wine. Mm -hmm. So they're actually sterilizing it so that you end up with, you know, a consistent product that most people when they drink today is what they associate as wine. But that's actually not what real wine tastes like. Yeah. When I have talked about this, we talked about this just the other week in Austin, our wines or any natural made wine, this is not exclusive to the wines we represent. There are about 500 winemakers worldwide who make these wines. And we'll talk about how they're, how they're made, but... But they're known, as you see in the press, and there's a lot of news and a lot of, a lot of interest in this category of wine right now. It's very fast-growing, particularly among young people. It's called natural wines. All of our wines are organic and naturally made. And as you and I talked about, they taste a little bit different. They do. They're it's, alive. It's more like a kombucha is what I explain to people. And it's the difference in, uh, in feeling is what I noticed, Steve. Even more, when I drink red wines, especially big, punch-you-in-the-face alcoholic wines, right, like most bold reds, you feel maybe a little sleepy, but mostly heavy, and I get a burning sensation a lot of the time in my stomach. Maybe not right away, but sometimes a little bit later after dinner, something like that. When you drink natural wines, th this type of wine, especially the lower alcohol varieties, you feel almost lifted a little bit. It's light, and it's clean and it's not dragging you down. No, it's energizing. And so here's what we want when we drink and when we experiment with alcohol. And first of all, I, I want to help people. My job is to help people think about drinking. Mm -hmm. My job is to help people think about this and step back for a moment and say, hey, I'm going to drink. I like to drink. I'm not going to stop drinking. I mm -hmm. have stopped drinking before, yeah. talking about my experience, yeah. what I call suffering through sobriety, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> 
I, I mean, it's just not my thing, dude. It's just not my gig, right? <laughs> I like to drink wine. Okay. But here was the problem, and here's how I came down this path. Here's how I got started. So as I got in my 50s, right, I couldn't drink standard wines anymore. I was going to have to stop drinking. Yeah. In fact, you know, when I met Mark Sisson, who's a big supporter and fan of our wines, when I initially met him, he said, you know, I'm not really interested in your wines because I can't drink wine anymore. Right. Right. And so that happens to a lot, a lot of people. So it's like where you get this kind of heaviness on your brain or mm -hmm. you wake up in the middle of the night and you're an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 17, self-employed. So what happens when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning, you're thinking about some bullshit business problem. Yeah. Right. Then you can't go back to sleep. Right. It's, a, it's, a, it's more of a struggle to get back to sleep. So these are all the things that were happening to me. So I started going down this path of finding a better, pure naturally made product that was also naturally low occurring in alcohol. Mm -hmm. And it's really, really important. So the feeling that you get and that everyone gets, nearly everyone I'm aware of who drinks natural wines and wines that we procure is that the wine, not only do you not have any brain fog, mm -hmm. not only do you sleep through the night, you don't wake up the next morning with a hangover, but there's, there's an even greater bonus. The buzz is better. Yeah. Right. And so the buzz is cleaner. It's lighter. It's a gentle lift. Mm -hmm. And what it allows for. And this is, you know, we talked about doing a dinner at your place for 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 some pals. And so because y'all like to cook and I love to cook. Yeah. And no, it's I live be in fun. Napa Valley wine <laughs> country. And I'm just like, you know, it's just cooking, cooking, cooking. Awesome. Right. So. But the thing is, what I want to do is I sit down at a dinner party with my with my pals and friends and and be there for hours. And during that, I want to continue to be able to drink wine through the night mm -hmm. and remain creatively expressive, remain cognitively connected. Yep. But what I'm looking for and what alcohol does in a very positive way, this is the very positive aspects of alcohol, is that it lifts euphoria slightly mm -hmm. in the right dosage. Mm -hmm. Now, if the wrong dosage comes along, euphoria quickly turns somewhere else. Right. But in the right dosage, and particularly with this low alcohol wine, right? So in the right dosage, you're going to get a slight elevation, a rejoicing of experience, mm -hmm. right? And so we're going to still have creative connection and celebration. Yeah. And this is going to go on all night long, as long as the dosage remains correct. Sure. Right? It's when the dosage remain, it gets too high that it's not as fun anymore, and it becomes less engaging creatively. So how do you nip that in the bud? How do you make sure you're not overdoing it then? Well, in my particular case, and what I recommend to people when I advise them and help them think about this topic, is that you have to start with an underlying lower alcohol product, mm -hmm. right? Because here's what no we know. No more tequila shots. Dude, 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 dude. There's, there's, we'll talk about glorious exceptions. <laughs> In just a bit. And there's yeah. there's a time and place for glorious exceptions, like sure. at weddings and, you know, your, your bros out at a festival or, you know, a bachelor party. But Look, not a random Tuesday well, night. Glorious that, that's good for a little bit of wine. Glorious exceptions are awesome. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to those. But they need to be rare sure. because the damage associated with them cognitively into your body of course, is yeah. significant. Mm -hmm. It's very significant. But back to the question is... So when we start with a low alcohol product, I don't drink beer for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. It's filled with maltose sugar and gluten and it's nasty. And by I the way, you're ketogenic as well. 
I am ketogenic. I've been yeah. ketogenic for nearly two years. Mm-hmm. I stay in full-time ketosis. Yeah. I do blood monitoring for both blood sugar and, and ketones on a regular basis. Our wines, because they're sugar and carb-free, mm-hmm. have zero impact on ketone production or blood sugar. Yeah, awesome. Back to the low alcohol. How do you drink all night? Here's what's not going to happen. You and I know, and your listeners know, that moderating alcohol is not going to be you having one glass of wine mm-hmm. at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen, yeah. right? Ain't going to happen for me either or most of your <laughs> listeners, right? They want to be able to drink all night and be joyous and be celebrated. And I like the taste of wine and it's great with food. Yeah. And the other thing about drinking wine, so like we do dinner at your house, I'm going to bring 12, 15 wines, right? Mm-hmm. And what we're going to do is we're going to have this experience. We're going to kind of, we're going to kind of adventure all over the globe. You know, we're going to taste things and we're going to say, wow, that shit is cool. <laughs> You know, and then it's going to like, oh, but wait, wait, wait until you taste this. Yeah. Right. And then it's going to be like just the same experience we had you know, with Tucker Max, your pal Tucker, who's right. a wine geek at, at, at your party. There. So I don't know. I think we opened 15 or 20 wines. Yeah, right? Something like that. Yeah. It's, yeah. 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 No, we didn't drink them all. I left lots of open bottles behind at your house. I'm not sure what you and Allison did with them. but <laughs> Who but, knows? The world will but, never know. <laughs> But anyway, so you want to use wine, and the reason we like to experience wine, you want, you want to use wine to kind of adventure, right. right? And to see the world is kind of a way to travel at the table. Yeah, like, and, like and, coffee or chocolate or cheese or those other just – they're – well, it's art, really. When it's done correctly, foods, wines, these things, the people who make them, which we can talk about in a second – the, the farmers, it's craftsmanship. It really is art, and they take a lot of pride in creating something that's real, that works with nature, instead of the adulterated, you know, commercial-type wines that are uh, like printing wines, right? It, it's an artificial, even when you're tasting it, even if it does taste good, what you're tasting is more the, the additives and the syrups and the things that are trying to make everything taste all consistent. It's not nature. It's not the wild yeasts. And the things that are really supposed to make a fermented fruit beverage taste original, uh, we're not getting enough of that from the commercial world. That's why I'm so excited about these wines because they're so different. They're so unique. Well, what you're also getting is a lot of sugar. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to tell you that that the American palate it lends itself to, to sweetness. Mm-hmm. And in fairness to the winemakers and the vintners who make these wines – they're responding to the marketplace. Their right. their job is to sell wine. Mm-hmm. And Americans want to drink a syrupy, sweeter, heavier product. Yeah. But that's not your audience. Right. And that's not what I want. Yeah. And so and there are millions of people who reject that concept. Mm-hmm. Right. And so our job is to educate them in the last kind of missing link in their diet. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're on the wild diet and you know, they've gotten clean and they're feeling great, but they're still drinking this shitty poison. Yeah. Right. And so because they don't know, they think that's what wine tastes like. The other great piece of terrific advantage on natural wines is that they're inexpensive. Yeah. For a fine wine product. Right. So they typically range between 18 and twenty five dollars mm-hmm. a bottle, which for a fine handcrafted wine product is very inexpensive. There are right? a lot of swings and misses in that category. That's for sure. <laughs> and you can spend a lot more than that and still get a terrible wine for sure. Oh, Price and quality has no correlation in wine. Yeah. The price is correlated with the story. 
right. and the romance <laughs> yeah. and the scarcity. Yeah. Right? It's called marketing 101. Mm-hmm. So price and, and, and quality with wine are rarely have much of a correlation. Mm-hmm. But getting back to the alcohol level, so what we want to do is start with a lower alcohol product because I don't drink beer. Yep. And I don't drink spirits. Mm-hmm. I understand the argument around drinking a distilled spirit for its purity. I completely get the the distilled purity argument. Mm-hmm. But for me, the alcohol dosage is simply too high. Right. And so that leaves me, fortunately, because I happen to love wines, that leaves me with low alcohol wines mm-hmm. as my choice beverage that allows me to drink throughout the night as we did recently yep. with zero ill effects. Nobody's getting messy. Nobody's even getting loud. They're just expressive, right? right? And so that's really what, what we seek is, is a micro dose, yeah. right? And that micro dose doesn't come from me drinking less, it mm-hmm. comes from me lowering the dosage level of the product. Of the alcohol itself. Right. So I yeah. can drink through the night. I drink, oh, generally about a bottle of wine a night. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, that's over a five-hour period. Yeah. And during that period, at no point am I losing cognitive expression and, and creative expression. I'm just a little euphoric. Right, because your body is processing the alcohol as you're drinking all it. All through the night. And the other important thing, two points, you need to be eating. Mm-hmm. So got to eat before you drink. And, and you need to stay hydrated. Mm-hmm. Right, Those are the two, two things. And then if you're sticking with a lower alcohol product, then you're in good shape. And you're, so your body will metabolize about 10 milliliters of ethyl alcohol an hour. Mm-hmm. Right? That's in a typical five-ounce glass of our wine mm-hmm. that contains about 1.7 of those units. Yeah. So you're burning through, if you're having about a glass an hour, a little bit more, you're burning through that. You're burning through that. You're metabolizing that alcohol. Mm-hmm. Now, can we talk a little bit about uh, commercial wines, the problem with commercial yeasts in particular? Then we can kind of talk about some of the other additives. Well, with here's yeast is native to every vineyard. It's mm-hmm. on the outside of a grape skin. Right. So if you went and picked some ripe grapes off of a off of a grapevine, and you threw it in a bucket mm-hmm. and left it over in the corner for a couple of weeks, you start making wine. That's you wouldn't have school. to do anything to it. Right. <laughs> it sounds like high school. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have to do anything to it. In fact, in the Napa Valley where I live, which is covered in vineyards, in the fall after harvest, when the dead fruit falls to the ground, mm-hmm. the whole valley starts to smell like fermenting wine. Right. Because it's actually fermenting on the ground and it's just in the air everywhere. It's yeah. kind of a cool thing. Yeah. But here's what commercial wines are doing. They're using modified commercial yeast. Mm-hmm. And these are modified in a laboratory to achieve certain flavor profiles, mm-hmm. right? Again, responding to the American palate, you know, they might look for a banana and a Chardonnay. Well, there's no reference point for bananas and Chardonnay, right? Right. That's coming from commercially modified yeast. Mm-hmm. So for me, in the pursuit of health, right, I want a whole natural product every, at every turn I can get it. Yeah. I want whole wild food, like the wild diet, right? That's mm-hmm. what I want. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking for a real food experience. I don't want genetically modified and commercially modified yeast or anything else in my wine. I want a whole natural product. Yeah. And that's one of the, that's one of the cornerstones of the natural wine movement is that they do use 
100% native yeast. Yeah. But yeast is just one of the components. Let's talk about additives for a moment. There are 76 additives approved for use in winemaking by the FDA. Generally 30. recognized as safe, right? Which Dude, <laughs> that, that was my next, that was my next <laughs> kind of drop. Yeah. 38 of the 76, half of them include the acronym by the FDA, G-R-A-S. Now you can go online and FDA wine additives and you'll see the list. Yeah. And you'll see that next to 38 of them includes this jack acronym G-R-A-S. Mm -hmm. And that stands for generally regarded as safe. Well, you know what? That just doesn't bring me a whole lot of assurance <laughs> that the FDA, who I don't trust in the first place, yeah, right. Right, is telling me that these are generally regarded as safe. Right. Right. Because here's the other thing. The FDA and the government's been in bed with the alcohol industry. Sure. Right. So that's the reason you don't have labeling on wine. Yeah. You've got one thing on a wine label that tells you something, and that's alcohol. Mm -hmm. And guess what? By law, that doesn't even have to be accurate. Is that right? It doesn't have to be. Is there a, a spectrum where it? There is, and there's a okay. reason for it. We don't need to go down the wormhole, sure. but it's up to a percentage and a half off. So if you're okay. drinking a 14% wine, you could actually be drinking 15 and a half or 16% wine, right. and you don't know it. Right. Right. Now, all the wines that we procure and that we sell as a part of our wine club, we lab test or we use a third-party, independent, certified yeah. analogist to lab test every one of our wines for a number of variables, mm -hmm. right? For, for a number of standards of purity to ensure that these wines meet our standards. One of the things we test for is alcohol. Mm -hmm. And all of the wines that we drink, that we sell, and that I would recommend that you drink no matter where you get it, yeah. is that you stick at 12.5% alcohol or below right and many of our wines are 10 and 11 percent alcohol mm -hmm. dude that's a huge difference from the 15 16 percent that you're seeing in commercial wines well and it is and a lot of times they're doctoring that as well right they're adding alcohol later in the process through more sugar to bump up that alcoholic percentage right that's what people want or that's what they think people want right it's called chapelization mm -hmm. so it's adding sugar to the grape must to to increase alcohol and sweetness. And so sugar and alcohol, uh, when you start with a high sugar product, you end up with a high alcohol product Yeah, because that's how alcohol is made. So right. that's the reason that you make wine in that bucket. If you throw some juice, on, if you threw some grapes in it, because mm -hmm. yeast is already on the outside of the, uh, on the grape skin. And when the grape skin breaks open and the juices come uh, flowing from the fruit, the yeast starts eating it. The result of that, until it either dies or finishes eating all the sugar, mm -hmm. is that it creates alcohol. In America and through much of the much of the world, what's happened is because Americans want a sweeter product, grapes are being picked later, riper, mm -hmm. higher sugars, higher alcohol, and a whole bunch of other high like sugar byproducts too, right? But yeah, exactly. So so it's just. If you're going to drink, I, I recommend that you drink wine, and you should drink a naturally made wine. And you you can find they're hard to find, but you can find them. Mm -hmm. You drink a naturally made wine at a low alcohol, twelve and a half percent or below. Yeah. Let's talk about the other things that we do to biohack wine. Sure. Right. Well, let's just even 
clarify biohacking for a moment. Right. right. I've been biohacking since I was about 40 years old, although then it wasn't called biohacking right. because Dave Asprey hadn't invented the word yet, seemingly. <laughs> right. Uh, I have to give him credit for kind of putting it out there. Yeah. So for me, biohacking is the art and science, the study and optimization of the neurological and biological effects of our behavior, Mm -hmm. including what we consume, right? And so how do I optimize that in a way that makes my life longer? More importantly, that I'm extending my health span, just Mm -hmm. not my lifespan, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm staying healthier. I'm eating wild diet. I'm moderate in my alcohol use. These I, I also do a whole bunch of biohacks, including ketogenic, mm-hmm. cold thermogenesis, high-intensity training, intermittent fasting daily. Mm-hmm. In fact, for lunch today, I had a can of sardines. That's <laughs> always my lunch of choice when I'm going to do a show. Yeah, right? really? Just, that's that's part oh, of your dude, ritual. Dude, it's part of my ritual because it's that high-octane brain food. I, t- I totally get it. I have sardines in my bag pretty much 100% of the time. It saved my life on many occasions. I, I wouldn't it. say it's part of my ritual, but I totally get it. The only place I don't eat them when I'm traveling is on a plane. Right? <laughs> no, you're so right about that. Oh I've God, tried dude. that. No. Wait. Don't do that. No, the way they smell, and then you have to get rid of the can and the oil and the whole thing, right? Like Absolutely. if you're in a hotel room, it has to go outside the hotel. Yeah, well, because you're eating cat food, essentially. Exactly. <laughs> just so pungent, but they're filled with brain food. Yes, right? you are. They're the perfect ketogenic food. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's what I had for lunch today. That's but, So I do Wim Hof. You know, I took the Wim Hof breath uh-huh. work. I do just all kinds of crazy cold therapy every day, Yeah. right? So I love the wintertime because it's a great time to express that. So what we did was biohack wine. You know, we said, hey, let's, let's, let's go in and lab test all these wines. Mm-hmm. Let's figure out how to do this naturally. So we're testing for sulfites. We're testing for sugars. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, all of the wines that we represent are sugar-free because yeah. I'm sugar-free. I think sugar's public enemy number one. I agree. Right? We're looking for alcohol and we're looking for other contaminants. Right. Right. So you when you buy a wine from us, you know, it's the same wine I'm drinking and Mm -hmm. I'm fanatical about what I put in my body. Yeah. Right. I drink exactly the same wines I'm giving you. Yeah. And that we uh, send to our wine club members. So, you know, that it's a lab quantified pure product. Mm -hmm. Let me talk quickly about how you measure alcohol in a drink. Because I want people to think through this. When you think about having spirits or you think about having wine or beer, here's another place where the, where the U.S. government has misled the American public. Mm-hmm. They like to do that where diet and nutrition is concerned. Uh, they're in bed with the alcohol. <laughs> no <industry>. comment. <laughs> yeah, no comment. I'm going to be good that. for a second. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Keep going, Todd. So they're in bed with the with with the alcohol industry because, as I mentioned, there there's no labeling on wine. You have no idea what's in it. Mm-hmm. And just because wine doesn't taste sweet, I promise you, does not mean it does not have sugar in it. Right. If the underlying acid in the wine is high enough, then it doesn't taste sweet. Yeah. Although well, s- same thing we see in in sugar sugary beverages like Coke, Pepsi. This is a science. It is. It's called ascorbic acid in Coke. If mm-hmm. they didn't put it in there, you wouldn't be able to consume the gross amount of sugar, right? Uh, which is what you know, thirty-three grams. You wouldn't Too be able much. To, yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> wouldn't much. be able to. Uh, you wouldn't be able to consume that. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to drink it. Mm-hmm. You know, without a high level of acid in it. So but, same thing with wine. 
exactly the same thing with wine. So I wanted to, you know, I, because I biohack everything, that's how, what led me down this path of how do we figure out how to deconstruct wine mm -hmm. in a way that makes me feel better. And, you know, we, we cracked the code on it. And as you know, we have many supporters in the health influencer uh, marketplace. Mark mm -hmm. Sisson's uh, endorsement. Dave Asprey with Bulletproof endorses. I think you're endorsing. Uh, <laughs> I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's totally unique. And it's funny because Dave doesn't even he doesn't even drink, really. Uh, so right. it's, you know, I think it's it's a symptom of where we're at in America right now. I think we're paying a lot more attention to the quality of the food that we're eating. We're paying more attention to uh, our health in general. We're starting to look at it like, wait a second, why does this wine make me feel terrible and why is it not labeled with anything, right? I remember doing a, a, a kind of similar, I looked into alcohol a few years ago and tried to see like, what are the additives? What are people putting in this stuff? Because there is a monumental difference between having a relatively clean liquor like uh, like vodka or tequila, especially the the ones that are truly good, I'd say mid-level and above, right? When you get into the well drinks, when you get into the cheaper drinks that they serve at most bars, those give you the worst hangar, hangover of all time. One of the biggest reasons for that is all of the additives, the lack of quality, the lack of transparency in the alcohol, liquor, wine, beer industry. You don't get to see what, you're consuming or, or what's added to what you're consuming. And I think that's terrifying. So we need someone to do exactly what you're doing. I'm surprised it's even taken this long. I'm so glad, you know, I'm sure people like me and Mark Sisson and a lot of other folks out there, I've given up wine many times. And every once in a while, you know, I'll hang out with my parents. They love drinking wine or I'll hang out with someone else. We're one of those glorious exceptions that you feel terrible and you're like, I'm not going to do it again. But when you find that wonderful, red wine or, or white wine that tastes different and unique. And this has happened a few times in my life. You wake up the next day, you don't have a hangover. You're like, this is the best thing ever. And you never find that wine again. Never happens. So I'm really glad that uh, someone with the, the passion and enthusiasm that you have is not only bringing great tasting wines out there uh, to all the health nuts, but also giving us great transparency into what is actually in what we're drinking you know they're not putting it on the label in in the industry itself so we'll make our own right we'll go in there we'll test it and we'll see what's actually in this stuff and we'll only pick the best so i i just you know tip of the hat i love what you're doing and i think the wine is i was very skeptical at first i wasn't sure what to think but uh, as soon as i tasted the first one and then the second one and the third one and uh and noticed how different they were and unique and light and like you said, the, the buzz is different. It's more energizing. Uh, I'm like, wow, there's definitely something to this. And uh, I think it's something to be very excited about. Thanks. I appreciate that. I wanted to – it's funny that you mentioned, gosh, how did this take so long for this to happen? Why <laughs> right. hasn't somebody cracked this and figured it out? Well, you know, my grandmother used to say, and I think this just explains it all, is, you know, it took 100 years to get overnight mail. Yeah. So <laughs> – Right. So sometimes it just takes a while for these things to come forward. And I sure. happen to be uniquely positioned because I was a biohacker mm -hmm. and a wine lover. Mm -hmm. I was uniquely positioned to kind of think it through in, in that way. But let me just switch gears real quickly to this alcohol measurement concept just yeah. so people can think about this. So the U.S. government told us, categorically not true, but the U.S. government told us that a beer 
a glass of wine, and a mixed drink are all the same amount of alcohol. You've probably heard that before. Right. It's called a standard drink unit. Mm -hmm. That's categorically false. Sure. I don't need to tell you that alcohol is in very different levels, particularly with craft beers now. So craft beers, I don't recommend anyone drink beer. Yeah. For reasons that we all know and, and can see on people who do, who have beer guts. You don't yeah. see anybody with a wine gut, do you? Uh-huh. So, uh, depends on the type of wine, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> on a, yeah. So an anyway. ice wine gut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 300 grams of sugar a liter. <laughs> but that's just not true. Craft beers now can range up to 16% alcohol. I've by seen, even high, I tried one that was 17 or 18%. Those things will knock your socks off. Right. And so if you're going to drink, I would recommend this. If you're going to drink a beer-like product, if you're interested in that kind of, uh, that kind of taste and sensation with a real tight, you know, very carbonated beverage that has a low alcohol, mm -hmm. I would recommend apple ciders. Yeah. But you have to get the right ones out of Europe. And you have to watch sugar, low. too. Because you have to watch sugar. Yeah. Dude, these things can be filled with sugar. Mm -hmm. So not just any cider, but there are some sugar-free ones. We've tested them. Mm -hmm. uh, we're thinking about adding ciders to, to our product line. I the think sugar -free you should. Ones. Yeah. The, the yeah. sugar-free ones. Yeah. So if you're, if you're looking for that, there is an alternative out there, but actually to find the sugar-free ones, you'll have to wait for us to bring them to you lab tested. I've come close but, a couple of times, but it's, they're hard to find. Once again, it's, it's so hard to find. You find something you love and it's just like, ah, <laughs> yeah, well, we, we've got some. I think we talked about this once before early, yeah. or when we first met. But So anyway, the, the UK, the British government developed a, a system to introduce to their citizens in 1987 mm -hmm. to accurately measure alcohol in a drink. Yeah. And it's called alcohol units. Not going to go way down the wormhole here, but if your readers, if your listeners are interested in it, they can go UK alcohol units and there's a Wikipedia page on it. Mm -hmm. But in essence, what it does is it takes it takes the the milliliters in a wine multiplied by the actual alcohol amount, yep. divided by a thousand, and okay. then that gives you an actual unit measurement. And a unit is ten milliliters of ethyl alcohol. Yeah. Right. So here's how you do it in America to quickly convert. So ounces, how we measure drinks. Right, you multiply the number of ounces, say a five ounce wine pour, by twenty nine point six, and that'll give you the milliliters. Okay. Divided by a thousand, and then that will give you the number of units. Mm -hmm. So, as an example, in a twelve percent alcohol at five ounce serving is one point seven seven units. Okay. Compared to, compared to, let's say, uh, the NorCal Margarita, which is three ounces of tequila and mm -hmm. some sparkling water and lime, mm -hmm. well, that three ounces of tequila at a typical 40% alcohol volume yields uh, 3.55 units. So mm -hmm. it's twice the amount of alcohol consumption in a single serving. Right. Right. So we need to just think through that. Uh, I love that Rob Wolf brought the NorCal Margarita to the paleo movement because yeah. it's a whole lot smarter than drinking anything else. Sure. If you're going to drink a distilled spirit, mm -hmm. tequila is your number one choice for a clean, natural product. Yeah. I don't drink spirits because of the alcohol dosage. But, but at the same time, so what you're saying is if you have a, a glass of wine that's relatively low in alcohol that you're enjoying over the course of time, just kind of naturally drinking it, you're getting that euphoric 
feeling you're getting kind of like that happy optimal zone. buzz, let's say. What I call right? the happy zone. The happy zone, yeah. Right. So you're, you're in the happy zone when you have a NorCal margarita. Maybe you just, just kind of like reflexively drink it because you're at a party or something. You have three units of alcohol quickly. You're saying you might skip that euphoric happy zone, go straight into the kind well, of woozy. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll stop by the happy zone for a moment. Yeah. And it's, it's keep on cruising, right? <laughs> but you're going to keep on cruising. And let me mention this because you're not most of us. I see people do it. It's not me. Mm-hmm. But most of us are not going to have one drink. Yeah. Right. We're going to have another one and we're going to enjoy drinking throughout the evening. I, mm-hmm. I've never I can't remember that I've ever gone to a social engagement. I'm a really social guy. Can't imagine. I've, I can't remember ever going to a social engagement having one drink. Yeah. When everybody else is drinking, is a party environment. So we're not going to stop with that one drink. So what happens is alcohol is a domino drug. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that, yes, alcohol is a drug. And it's a domino drug. So it pulls you in, mm-hmm. right? So the more you drink, the more you get pulled in. Right. And then the faster you drink, the more your judgment is impaired. And the next thing you know, it's just we're into an unhealthy place. Yeah. That's where keeping the alcohol dosage really low matters. Mm-hmm. You don't get pulled in, right? And, and also keeping the sugar down. Sugar yeah. is a domino drug as well. Right. Right. You eat that sugar, man, you go f- crazy trying to get more of it. Mm-hmm. Right? So anyway, that's that's just some of the things that I, I think that folks want to think about. Right. Think about alcohol. You you want to get to that happy zone and not keep pushing, especially, you know, because so few of us are trained on how to drink, right? Like we're never told one way or the other. It's just the farthest it usually goes is a health expert saying, yes, drink red, red wine, you know, one to two a night or something like that. Or drink no booze ever. We're never really taught how to. So to stay in that happy zone, perhaps it's, it's best, even if you are drinking, say, like a, a NorCal margarita, to go for something that's, maybe one unit of alcohol, the majority club soda, and keep you in that that safe, Absolutely. happy zone That's as opposed right. to can, skipping right through it, right? You can dial it in exactly that in that method if spirits are your drink of choice. Mm-hmm. Just got to keep the dosage down. Right. My job, like yours, is to help people, mm-hmm. right? And so my job, what I'm passionate about with what I do is educating people. That's yeah. why I'm here today. Yeah. to educate people and talk about this and think about it so that they walk away and they're like, oh, shit. I want this show to give people hope, right? Because hope was lost when it comes to red wine and, and, and booze uh, for me years ago. And I keep trying to get it back and find that thing where you can have your cake and eat it too, as, as the case may be. Or just find a very high quality fermented fruit drink that you can drink without being trashed, right? Without destroying your health. And uh, I'm really happy that, you know, you're starting to not only find those, but fact check them and then bring it to everyone else. But I, I'm going to tell you something that uh, probably won't surprise you, but really surprised me when it happened. We were watching a movie the other night and we spilled some of the wine on the carpet. <laughs> and everyone knows what happens when you spill red wine. It's it's the right. worst thing ever, right? It never comes out in a lot of cases, especially of carpet, if it gets in there, it, whatever. But, you know, we put some uh, paper towels down. And then just put a little water on the paper towel. It came right out. No stains. This actually happened again. It happened another time. Uh, same thing. And so I, when I was talking to you uh, way back, you were talking about uh, some of the additives 
Mega Purple, Ultra Red are a few. Can you talk about that and why people get the stained teeth and the stained clothes and how that happens and, and why it might not happen with some of the wines that you bring to the table? I'm so glad that you asked about this because it really leads right into covering what's wrong with red wine and why mm -hmm. it makes you feel bad. It's mm -hmm. not the sulfites. So here's why one of the top-selling additives in the industry is called Mega Purple. It's a color agent. Mm -hmm. And here's why winemakers use it. Winemakers use color agents, or more importantly, with finer wine products, long soaks on the skin to make wine darker. Mm -hmm. Americans and consumers globally, for some reason, believe that the darker a red wine is, the better quality it is. This yeah. is just a common misperception. Mm -hmm. Color has absolutely nothing to do with quality, right? But because of that, because the winemaker is responding to what these perceptions, they leave skins macerating on the juice for extended periods of time to extract color. Mm -hmm. right? This deep, deep extracted colors, and just to, for your listeners who don't know this, let me just explain why skins soak and don't soak, mm -hmm. is because if you squeeze the juice from a... Uh, red grape, when you squeeze the juice from a white grape, the juice is clear from both grapes. Right. Right. So red wine gets its color from soaking on the skins. So mm -hmm. it gets its color from the contact with the skins. The longer the skins soak, the darker the color. And then you get these pigments, the ones that stain your teeth, mm -hmm. you know, which is a real pisser, right? Yeah. When you're at a cocktail right. party. <laughs> and uh, or they stain your carpet, yeah, right. And sometimes that might be a color agent. You don't know whether it's a color agent or just an mm -hmm. extended soak. Either yeah. way, you've got this dark color. Here's the bad news: these extended soaks exaggerate and exacerbate biomine like histamines. That's mm -hmm. really what makes you feel bad in red wine or, or, or these these uh, these biomine, prim primarily histamine. That's yeah. the reason you get that kind of heaviness right here, right? right. Some people even get flush or they mm -hmm. can feel warm or have some constriction or this kind of heaviness on their forehead above their neck. Mm -hmm. That's all caused by histamine, yeah, right? And this histamine is exaggerated and primarily comes from the soak on the skins. Right. That's the reason that, you know, many people say, oh, I can drink white wine, but I can't really drink red wine. It makes me feel bad. Yeah. Well, when we talk about the sulfite argument, and we think sulfites are a bad idea, but they're not what's making you feel bad. Yeah. What sulfites do is sterilize the wine and remove its soul, right? Mm -hmm. And so it loses its soul. <laughs> you know how I wish it has most... soul, brother. You know what I'm talking about. I know a lot of people are listening to the audio version, but I wish they could see the video when you said lose your soul. <laughs> lose soul, man. You got to have soul in life, right? I <laughs> totally agree wholeheartedly. All right, keep on going. Keep on going. But I got to tell this quick story. So I'm on the way to meet you, right? So we've kind of had this phone and email relationship since last year as I've been educating and helping you understand why these wines work and getting through all that process. So I'm on the way to your house, right, for this party. I'm on the phone with yeah. a friend. I said, you know, Abel has recently gotten kind of famous, right? He's on this <laughs> TV show. and Oh, come on. And he's on the New York, you know, he's New York Times bestseller. And I said, I've never met the cat. You know, I've talked to him on the phone a few times. He seems super cool. 
but I'm not sure if he's been painted by the celebrity brush. Sure. So, so, but I'm happy to report to all your listeners that what you see right now on your screen or what you hear in your voice, in his voice, that soul that he's not been tainted by the celebrity brush. He is what you see. He's just an awesome guy who really makes Thank everybody you, feel good and just has real soul. But that's what these wines have. You know, when you right. talk about they're alive and they have kind of this kombucha kind of like thing going on in some of them, that's do, the soul, yeah. man. That's the soul. Yeah. Right, just I, I totally that agree. album you just released. <laughs> it's got soul, right? It's in my car right it's now. Ripping with soul. Are you listening to it? Yeah. Yeah, but dude, of course I'm listening to it. I mean, awesome. I can come on your show and tell you I hadn't heard your album. <laughs> Everybody should get it, man. It's just awesome. So anyway, here's the point I was going to make about soul fights, real quickly. In addition to robbing soul, right? Yeah. But importantly, people say. Oh, I can drink white wine, but I can't drink red wine. Well, actually, sulfites are higher in white wines right. than they are in red wines. Yeah. It's not the sulfite. It's the histamine that's making you mm -hmm. So anyway, we, all of our wines are low in histamine. They do not have this effect. I get calls every day. I talked to four people just yesterday calling into our offices. I'm happy to tell we, we had 500 new members join us this, this week. Wow. This week. Right. And so and people are like, oh, well, that's pretty awesome. Congratulations. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not about that. It's about we just changed 500 people's life. Yeah. Right. They can drink wine again. <laughs> yeah. And feel good. <laughs> but I had a woman call me too yesterday. It was like, I can't drink red wine. I've heard all about your wines. And, you know, I'm hoping I'm like, trust me, listen, if they don't do what I told you to do, here's my personal cell phone number. You call me. I'll give your money back and you keep the wines. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, it's just, it's for real. Right. Uh, where do you want to go next? Where, where do we want to go next? Well, I know you've been saving up a quote for us. Do you want to tell people where they can find you after that? Or do you want to do that? Where do you want to do the quote? Well, I'm going to close off with that. Awesome, it's my favorite awesome. quote so, of all time. Right. I'm going to close off on that. Contact for me. It's dryfarmwines.com. Todd at dryfarmwines.com. And on all so social media, it's dryfarmwines. Everywhere. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> All of our social media handles are Dry Farm Wines. But if they want to reach me, it's Todd at dryfarmwines.com. I also want to offer a special bonus to your listeners. Yeah. Right. Because when we close up, I don't want to talk about business. Sure. Right. I want to talk about inspiration. I agree. Although you and I know most people find change and growth through desperation, mm -hmm. not inspiration. Sure. But to the extent that we can bring inspiration. This is an awesome thing. And one of the great pleasures of getting to do shows like yours is because I get to hopefully inspire people. Yeah. And the people but listening it, and watching, especially this far into the show, they're ready. Right? They, they, oh, dude, they're ready to change. Long. They want to be healthy. I love it. Yeah. I'm sorry we're running long. I'm just kind of a talker. <laughs> it's like all this. good. Anyway, my brother. So we have a special offer for your listeners that you will be slightly compensated for, not very handsomely, but slightly in, in transparency. <laughs> right. But we like to do a little something extra for your listeners. So we will give your listeners a one penny bottle of wine. Awesome. And all they have to do is go to dryfarmwines.com forward slash wild. Beautiful. Right. I love that. That's my favorite vanity URL, <laughs> or URL of all time. <laughs> So it's drivefarmwines.com 
Patreon.com forward slash wild. Awesome. Thank, right. thank you for that. And if they don't want you to get compensated, in fairness, I know everybody loves you and will want to support you. What should they do if they don't want you to get paid? Just go to your website anyway. So just for those of you listening and, and watching, I want to be very sensitive with things like this because I do consider Todd a friend at this point. Uh, for me, I like I said, I, I'd given up wine for a long time. So I'm very happy to introduce you to not only Todd, but what he's doing and the fact that you can perhaps drink wine again. It's, it's a wonderful thing. And these are some of the best wines I've ever tasted and certainly uh, wines that I feel much better the next day about and I hardly have any special offers especially during the the interview portion of the shows themselves so if you're not cool with that just go to dry farm wines I won't be compensated at all uh, but if you'd like to support this show if you believe in what we do every little bit helps so if you go to uh, dryfarmwines.com slash wild I would be much obliged and uh, I really appreciate it but in any case Todd this is absolutely fantastic and I really appreciate the passion and enthusiasm that you bring to something that's been ignored by almost everybody else. <laughs> you know? That's pretty fun. Hey, listen, being the wine guy is a lot of fun. Yeah, you have the best. You're I think very, you have the best job now. You have the best job on earth. <laughs> right. So when you're the wine guy, you're very popular at parties. Of course you are. Right? <laughs> so uh, let's move on. I know we need to close this up because we've gone long. But in closing, I, I wanted to talk about three things very quickly that I hope will be of help to your audience. Please. And uh, I want to talk about, first of all, the greatest number one biohack of all time. Hit it. You and I have talked about this. Yeah. It's meditation. Mm -hmm. What meditation does is it clears out, it helps you manage that trance of thinking, right? It helps you manage the trauma of thought. That So we're all very busy thinking all the time. And so what meditation does help you open those channel ways of peace. And when you open up all that space and you can stop that constant trauma of thinking, all kinds of gifts come to you because there's this new space inside you to receive love and support and gifts like how we met, right? I mean, so it's just like when it just opens up this vast place for you to kind of accept love and things from the universe, mm -hmm. right? When you can stop that trauma of thinking, you can tell I'm very passionate about meditation. I, I am too. I'm glad so, you're saying it because I've said it too many times already. <laughs> oh, dude, it's just, it's just the best thing ever. And you just, I just try to get people, but you know, they, they're just reluctant to start because sure. they think they're going to fail, right. right? Because they think I can't stop thinking. I know that's the reason it's called a practice, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I got to practice it for a while. But it makes a huge difference in your life. Number two, power up your mind and body. Right? And the most important thing you can do to power up your mind and body is to eat wild. Follow the wild diet. See food as medicine. That's the very best way. Food is medicine to power your mind and body with what you eat. And to power your mind, your body up. And, and, right? and your huge guns. <laughs> To power up your body. Yeah. My favorite book, I know, you're, I, I know you've read it. It's just awesome. My favorite new book, which has become my sort of universal guide for power and endurance, is Mark Sisson's new book, Primal Endurance. Great book, yes. And if your listeners haven't read it, I highly recommend it. It just really is sort of like this Bible of 
awesome endurance advice and power. And when you age, I don't want to get bigger. I mean, I, I know I show those guns for a moment, but just out of fun because we're having a good time. I, it's, I don't want to be bigger. I want to be stronger, right? And that's what Mark's book talks about is really how to be stronger. And number three, and in closing, I'll get to the quote we talked about that we obviously both love and know. But number three is facing your critics. You can't progress. No, so many of your listeners are entrepreneurs or they're people who are interested in improving and moving forward. You can't progress until you face and manage your critics. And there are two types of critic. The most important one, the only one that's important, the most damaging is your self-criticism. Meditation also helps a lot with this, right? So that inside voice, that narrative, that story that you tell yourself about who you are and what you're capable of, right? And so you can change that story and what you're capable of anytime you decide to believe it, right? And so it's really important to, to dampen down that self-criticism. Now, there's the other critic. That's the external critic, right? But here's the thing about the external critic. The external critic, their inside voice, the narrative they have, is uncomfortable with your outside voice, right? Well, whatever is on your outside, this critic is uncomfortable with you. It has absolutely nothing to do with you, and they don't know you, right? So the quicker that we can kind of dispel any concern for outside criticism, then we can really truly progress in life, right? And use our determination to really do bold things, to kill fear, yeah. right? To kill fear and be bold. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, you think I'm bold? I think you're bold. You're like a bold cab, Todd. <laughs> I know. So I don't drink bold cabs. I'm going to finish up with my favorite quote of all time. Yeah. Uh, it's been a quote that I've that's followed me through my life and has answered many uh, difficult moments for me because when you're bold and when you live fearlessly, you have moments of a lot of criticism, right? You can imagine I live in the heart of the Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. and I sell natural wines from Europe, <laughs> yeah. right? And I talk about poisons <laughs> in wine. I get some criticism, right? <laughs> I can't imagine. But the Napa Valley is one of the most beautiful places on the planet and filled with loving people. And so it's a great place to live. I'm going to close up with Theodore Roosevelt. I know we've gone long. This won't take but a moment. It's an excerpt from a 1910 speech in Paris, and it goes. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of good deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no great effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls 
who know neither victory nor defeat. My brother, thank you. It's been a great time. Awesome. Check this out. So if you are watching the video version, you might be able to see this whole quote, the exact quote, in fact, that Todd just gave us. And this is one of my favorite gifts that I've ever received. It's, a, it's that quote printed in beautiful typeface on an old piece of wood. And it was sent to me by my good friend, Mr. George Bryant, the civilized caveman who's been on this show many times. And uh, definitely it, it came at the right time. And I think if it's the first time that you've listened to that, take a second, just rewind back and listen to it again, because it's such a powerful, powerful message. And uh, Todd, thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And thanks for your delicious wines. They really are <laughs> fantastic. Awesome, man. Thanks again for having me. And to your listeners, thanks for listening. I know it went long, but peace. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fat Burning Man. If you liked it, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, the podcast app, or wherever else you might be listening to or watching this show. Got a second? please leave me a quick review on iTunes. I always love hearing from you. And if you think someone else might like and benefit from this free show, please take a second to share it with a friend or with a family member. You can get in touch with me on Twitter at FatBurnMan and Facebook by typing in Abel James or FatBurningMan. Drop me a line anytime. Did you know that I've recorded over 150 episodes of Fat Burning Man, winning four awards in independent media and hitting number one in more than eight countries? And here's some more good news. You can download and listen to every single episode for free. All you have to do is type in fatburningman.com. I'll give you a second to type it in, fatburningman.com. And you'll get all the show notes in video and audio versions for all the past episodes of Fat Burning Man. Better yet, enter your best email at fatburningman.com, sign up for my newsletter, and I'll even send you a quick start guide to start burning fat right now and a few of our ridiculously tasty recipes as a special thanks for signing up. Once again, just go to fatburningman.com right now, enter your best email to get your free fat burning download straight to your inbox and make sure that you never miss a show again. This is Abel James signing off. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week. complication Heavy troubles I can't carry very far So I set my worries down and find salvation At that old back door backstreet smoky bar When I just need some sanctuary when that cold, cruel world has knocked it to my knee, then you'll know just where you'll find me. I'll be right here singing songs of sweet relief. And I thank God for the blues to heal my soul and set me. Sing it with me if your heart's been bruised. Thank God for the proof. So I flip the lash 
on that dusty, musty case Raise that ragged lid and smell the year Slide my fingers up those trusty, rusty strings Let that old guitar cry my tears 